This You Into Golf 2019 Open Update is brought to you by Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Barbecue Pit Stop on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little bit about the Open Championship, and we're going to talk to BT. But real quick before we do that, Gordon, we're doing our giveaway, our major giveaway with uh, You Went to Golf once again, which this is always fun. 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE, and we're going to assign you a golfer. Uh, basically, what we've done, Gordon, is we've taken the world rankings one through 29, and we'll assign those all out to listeners. And then one listener will get uh, 30 in the field. Okay. And if your golfer wins, uh, and the the prize is awesome this time, if your golfer wins, you get any bag it you went to golf. Sweet. Any brand, color, style, whatever you want. You're picking up uh, a sweet bag, courtesy of our good friends at uh, You Win a Golf. So that's terrific. Eight five five three four zero zone. Eight five five three four zero zone. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, you can hear him on Real Golf Radio each and every Saturday morning, right here on the Zone Sports Network. He's our good friend Brian Taylor. BT, what is up? What's up, boys? Can you believe here we are, the fourth major of the year already, and it's just middle of July, huh? Yeah, it's a little different this time around, isn't it, BT? Uh, I, I, do you like it? Um, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, it does kind of go fast, uh, I guess. But, look, the, the whole reason for this, as we know, is because football's king. And the PGA Tour had the sense to try to get this thing all done, you know, before football gets into to full swing. So, yeah, I mean, look, you just you move the Players' Championship back to March where it was, you know, for most of its playing time. And, and, and I think everybody agrees that TPC Sawgrass there in Jacksonville plays better in March anyway. And then, you you know, the PGA said, all right, thank you very much. We'll take that May slot. They follow up Augusta. And then it's all done by July, and we got playoffs in August and out, you know, and allow, allow football to take over. So I, I think in the grand scheme of things, golf needs to have its season in its place. Although – Look, they turn around and, and kick off the next season like two weeks later or something like that. So anyone that needs their golf fix, it's pretty much there year-round. But uh, I, I think from an emphasis standpoint with the majors, it's good to have it in the summertime. All right, BT, tell us a, a little bit about this uh, this golf course. Uh, tell us a little bit about Royal Portrush. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a lot the same for everybody. We're all anxious to see how it's going to play. I think the players are anxious to see how it's going to play. I mean, you know, it hasn't been played on this golf course in almost 70 years. So it's been around a long time. Um, I, we had a, a chance to talk to our good friend who does radio in Ireland on the show last Saturday. And he talked about how they came in and in preparation, the RNA came in and in preparation for this, they redid a couple of holes, a couple of the ones that were just okay and, and created a, a much better finish. So you're looking at a really, you know, a typical seaside links. It's got, it's quirky, it's bumpy, it's hilly. You're uh, massive winds that are going to play a, uh, a factor in this. You got dunes, you got pop bunkers, although only 60 of them, which isn't a ton for, for links side golf. But, you know, you've, you've got a, a test here, 7,300 yards, fairly long depending on the wind condition uh, although you know again ground game in a true link style is is wide open for players and you'll see a lot of players that'll choose to run the ball along the ground and keep it out of the wind but it's it's really one of those courses that you just have to manage you got to stay out of those 
pot bunkers, they're a penalty. It's not like hitting in a bunker here, as you know. It's, you're coming out sideways in a lot of instances. It'll cost you a shot. And then you got to stay out of the deep sort of native, you know, heather or gorse type grasses that you'll see surrounding a lot of the holes. So, uh, I think this can be fun. Look, I, this is a, a sell, this is a big win for Northern Ireland. For them, they are absolutely pumped. Not that the the Scots and the Brits don't get excited to have you know one of their courses in the rotation that particular year, particular year. But the, the way that the Irish people in Northern Ireland are coming out for this one to see some of the best players in the world, um, you know, a rare opportunity is is pretty cool. I think you're, this is going to be a fun one. So, BT, uh, what you've described there, whose game fits that? Whose mindset fits that? Oh man, um, I I was telling the guys uh, Tony uh, earlier today that it's just it, this is a really tough one. I, I think Lynx Golf of all of the the venues, the different types of golf, provides the biggest um, parity in the field because oftentimes. You know, as you've seen, guys will hit a shot right down what seems like the middle of the fairway and get a funky bounce into a pot bunker and it costs them a shot. Another guy hits three yards just to the left of that, also center of the fairway, and it bounds straight forward, leaving him with a little wedge to the green. So there is an element of luck that comes into play with Lynx Golf, no doubt about it. Um, that said, I, it's, a, it's a patience thing. I, I pretty much, Bob talked, and I talked about this on the show last week, he's, he's picking Tiger as one of his favorites. I told him not to waste his time. Um, because Tiger just hasn't played. He hasn't really played that well. He missed the cut at the PGA after winning the Masters and didn't play all that well at, at Pebble Beach and then hasn't played a professional event since. But the one thing about it is I watched the special on you know, Tom Watson as a 59-year-old who nearly won the Open for the sixth time at Troon back in 2009. Um, you know, this, there's a guy in Tom Watson that just understands how to play in the wind. He understands how to hit all these different kinds of shots. Tiger Woods certainly is capable of that. He doesn't have to use his length. He can play smart, hit shots right to left, left to right, keep the trajectory low, that type of thing. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't discount him from that standpoint, but from a competitive standpoint, uh, I, I think I think it's going to be tough for him. As far as mindset goes, I mean, shoot, I don't know how you – first of all, I don't know how you understand Brooks kept his mindset, but I don't know how you bet against it either. I and mean, he basically told us in his press conference that he doesn't even play golf unless you're seeing him on TV. He doesn't practice for regular tour events. He only practices for, P, for, for major championships. He just seems completely unfazed by this whole thing. It's like a day job. He does what he has to do, and the rest of it is just, you know, who cares? And – it's hard for fans who love the game, I think, to appreciate what he's saying. In fact, it might be offensive in some ways to, to fans who love the game of golf. But at the same time, you have to just sort of wonder about the way this guy ticks and, and just to consider that he's gone second, first, second this year. And you got to think that a guy like that's probably going to do well this week. Uh, BT, I found those comments about practice. I, I kind of found them hilarious and laughed. Just like his his uh, comments uh, about the weather. What uh, what tournament was that going into? Was that going into the PGA where he said the weather is going to eliminate yeah. half the field? Yeah. And and he talked about how the rest of the field was going to be pared down to him winning. And I thought those were hilarious <laughs> too. But I could see his peers looking at him like, really, dude, that's the way you're going. How is he received by by other golfers? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, I, you know how he was received by Tiger this week. I don't know if you saw that story. That was another one that was pretty funny. Tiger texted him and asked if he could play a practice round with him, and Tiger started laughing and said, "I've not heard back from him." So he blew Tiger off. I mean, 
<laughs> I guess you've ascended to the top of the level if you can ghost Tiger, right? I mean, that's that's impressive stuff. But um, you know, look, Brooks's caddy, uh, Ricky Elliott, is a member there at Portrush. He grew up playing there. He's, you know, so he he, he said he's played that that course probably fifteen hundred times. And so no wonder Tiger wanted to play with a practice round with him, but, um, you know, Brooks was having none of it. So, but, but I like, I think everybody appreciates what Brooks is and what he's done. I think they're a little bit in awe. I, I don't think that he's quite the uh, intimidator that Tiger was back in the day. I, I've told you guys this story before, but the first time I had a chance to go to Augusta, and it was in 2000, and Tiger went walking through. We were standing where a bunch of players were, and everybody just stopped and stared at him. And Tiger didn't look left or right, just went straight ahead, and everybody sort of just was in awe of, of him. He just sort of took took the, the tour by storm. People didn't know what to make of him. I think there's a little element of not knowing what to make of Brooks Kepka, but I don't think he has that same sort of, you know, fu kind of attitude that Tiger took in the beginning. I think I think players like Brooks. I think he's I think he's genuinely liked by by the by the the other players. I just don't I just don't quite get exactly his approach. It's obviously it's working, but it's 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 something I haven't I haven't seen. BT, how do the greens uh, come into play on this particular course? Have you heard of specifics about what kind of condition they'll be in, uh, how fast they will be, and if that gives anybody a certain edge? Well, what you can expect is slower greens than what the guys uh, face week in and week out because of the winds that play here. You can't get them to the same PGA Tour um, speed that you would see you know, on a regular tour event like what we, the 3M Open, for instance. Uh, because the balls are just the wind would just blow the ball around on the green, and so you're going to have slower greens. Typically, that doesn't do well for guys like Tiger, who likes super fast greens. It does allow players to be more aggressive. So I think you're going to see players that are that are you know obviously that are that are good in their putting stats are going to be you know even better if they can adjust to the speed. But I think it also brings some of the guys that tend to struggle a little bit with their putting. It makes it easier. Slower greens are just easier to putt um, typically, especially if they roll good like these will. So um, the, all accounts that I've heard is the golf course is in pristine condition. They've had a ton of water this year, uh, particularly wet spring, just like the seems like the rest of us here in Utah specifically. Had a really wet spring, so things aren't as brown and burnout like they often are this time of year over there. They're a lot more green and lush. So, uh, again, everything that I've heard and read and uh, my friend over there that's radio in Ireland said that it is so good. Everything is in such perfect condition that I don't think you're going to see any type of like what we saw at Chambers Bay or anything like that come into play where there's some controversy with um, with green conditions. So I think I think guys are you know put yourself in the right position on the whole. You can you can be aggressive and and roll some putts. I mean, Rory McIlroy shot 61 on this golf course when he was 16 years old. So obviously there's uh, there's some birdies to be made out there. Brian Taylor with us from Real Golf Radio. Uh, BT, how's Tony Finau playing going in? You know, Tony hasn't had a great year uh, by his standards. I, I think he's uh, he's been working on some things. We've seen him switch to the claw putter. Um, his his stats are, are down a little bit, but not horrible. I mean, he's kind of – they're not as, as great as what he's been before, but specific, specifically with the putter, he's been trying to get better. I, I thought his uh, – Boyd Summerhays, his coach's comments to us recently were interesting. When talking about Tony's switch to the claw putter uh, grip, he said – you know, he's, he's never felt more comfortable with a putter. Uh, and yet the stats don't quite show that he's rolling the rock better with the clock, but he's comfortable with it. And Boyd's contention is that if you get a tour player at the highest level that's comfortable with his putting stroke, it's just, it's just a matter of time. 
uh, much better than, I, I guess, making putts but not feeling comfortable? Is that the other side of it? Because at the end of the day, you just want to make putts. even if like, Maybe I could get with whatever it was I was doing if the putts were going in. But um, anyway, that was Boyd's comment. And so I, I guess he, I mean, not I guess, he knows Tony's game a whole lot better than, than I would. And I'll, I'll just go with the fact that there's going to be improvement with the greens there. But, um, you know, Tony's still having a good year. He, he, he's, he needs to win one of these things. I, I wouldn't pick Tony like this this week. I wouldn't say this is the golf course for him. But um, Tony's got such power that he's able to, you know, I think I said the same thing about Pebble Beach. He's got the ability to flight it down if he needs to. He missed the cut at Pebble, didn't have a great week. I think he's anxious to, to have a good showing in, in this week at the major championships. But I, I don't know that he's clicking on all cylinders the way he uh, was last year and, and even going into Augusta this year. One final question for you, Brian. It's, it's kind of a, a primary question uh, that many of our golfers out there will, will sort of think, no, duh. But – some of our listeners aren't, aren't really, you know, they don't know all the ins and outs of golf. How would you describe the differences between a Lynx course and a more traditional course? Well, so the Lynx, uh, yeah, and that's a good question. And, and I, you know, I've been fortunate to go over there to Scotland, you know, and I've uh, played in Wales and some of these other places where I've had a chance to see some of these, the differences and, and similarities. But uh, the, a links. I mean, by by definition, it, it's the linking between the land and the sea. And so, a golf course that is a true links golf course is that sort of ground that links the the land and the sea. It's a typically it's um, you know really a sandy base. It's um, got lots of uh, sort of wide open you know scape to it where the wind dictates and, and is the major defense. We've seen at St. Andrews and some of the other courses, even last year at Carnoustie, when the wind doesn't blow like it's supposed to, it will um, uh, it, it, it renders it somewhat defenseless. And so you're going to see a really flat scape. The other thing that's interesting about Lynx Golf is you can't see the trouble. The way they build the bunkers here in the U.S., you know, Parkland style, they build them up somewhat, and you can see the you know, the, the, the top face or the white sand here, it, you just have to go off your yardage book or experience and know that there is a big hole in the ground at this particular point in the fairway and try to stay away from that because the ball will literally just disappear. You, you can't see all those hazards. And, and, and so that's, that's some of the difference. Typically you don't get a lot of flat lies like you might in Parkland golf. And, uh, and then, like I said, the fairways are oftentimes faster than the greens. And so you'll see players that'll play it down because of the wind. They'll roll it along the ground, maybe from 120 yards. They'll just take a little seven iron and bump it down there. And it just, it's almost like a really extended putt. Then it chases on up to the green. And again, with the green speeds being slower, that's where it starts to slow down and guys are able to really hit some cool shots. So that's the thing that I, I actually fell in love with Lynx Golf. I didn't know if I would like it. It looks quirky and cold and windy. But it actually is pretty fun from trying to figure out how to play different shots and, and, and overcome what the golf course puts in front of you. And, and these guys are the best in the world. It'll be fun to watch. BT, you, sir, are the best. Thank you, as always, for jumping on <laughs> with us. And uh, very much looking forward to your coverage throughout the week. We'll get up early and uh, skip a lot of sleep this week, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to keep you up to date. All right, Brian. Thanks, man. Thanks, BT. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, each and every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 right here on the Zone Radio Network. How long has BT been doing that now? It's got to be 20-some years, doesn't it? Uh, it's probably pretty close, yeah. 
as long as certainly I've been in the business. Yeah, those guys really know their stuff. Absolutely. And uh, pretty crazy. It, it, I think I like this new order with the majors where there's, uh, you know, they kind of, they don't bump into each other, but it's it's kind of bam, bam, bam. I like the it. The one thing that I get a little melancholy at the end of the major season because that means that summer is coming to an end, you know. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. So we'll change uh, change that up a little bit. But uh, anyway, it's yeah, I, I think it's created excitement this year. Well, and they want to put more emphasis on the playoff uh, toward the end. They felt like that kind of uh, got lost in the majors. Okay. So maybe that'll make it a little bit more fun uh, for golf fans out there. Maybe yeah. they will get a little more emphasis on that. Isn't but. it funny how you, you assign more meaning to something and it takes on a whole new deal? And that maybe that playoff will uh, will provide that kind of extra excitement. Right. All right. We want to remind you about the uh, Tour of Utah podcast on 1280thezone.com. Podcast includes how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the upcoming Tour of Utah race. Uh, joining us right around the corner, Gordon, we're going to talk to Bowler. He's going to make his normal Tuesday appearance. Uh, Craig Bowler, Jack, of course, television voice of the Utah Jazz. What are you smirking about over there? Well, I talked to Bowler earlier today, or I actually didn't talk to him. We were exchanging messages, but uh, Bowler just makes me laugh in a good way. In general, or no, did, no, he, did he tell a joke? No, or just, are you? We, we, let's say it this way: we got a lot of history. You do. You've uh, you've been around. Lisa's uh, pet name been... for me is Bowler. <laughs> you've been working together for a real long time. You know, <laughs> we know Lisa's a fan. That may be one of the more painful. Uh, incriminating audios you've ever made me do. That was the first one we made you. Lisa's pet really? name for me is Bowler. Was it the first? I think it was the first. Thanks, Adrian. I appreciate you piling the on. The way that, you man. say it, too, is so perfect and so hilarious. It's, it's so <laughs> so funny. Lisa thought it was pretty funny, too. I got it, Because it is funny. I remember the first time we played it for Bowler, and he dropped the phone. You remember that? <laughs> Because he was so surprised. Uh, so we'll talk to Bowler coming up uh, right around the corner. But we are live at Homie today. Check them out, homie.com. Our good friend Joe joins us once again. And, uh, Joe, let's let's go through buying a little bit. Let's let's talk a, a little bit about that right now. Take me through it. Let's say I'm, I, I'm buying a home and uh, I want to save some money, so I want to go with you guys, obviously. Give me kind of the what I need to do. You bet. In fact, we work with a lot of first-time home buyers, and it's kind of daunting the first time you bought a home. It's a huge purchase. There's a lot of legal stuff, and people, um, they're a little bit daunted by the whole undertaking. So we try to make that whole process really simple. First, we assign you a showing agent, and that showing agent has one job, and that's to show you any house that you want to see in market. Not just a house that's listed with Homey, but any house that's for sale. And the great thing is we made it really easy to request a tour of a home. You're online. You're looking on the Homey app or any real estate website and you see a home in South Jordan that you want to take a look at and you can literally open the Homey app and with a click of a button, you can put the times in that you're available and then our team will take it from there. They'll schedule the showing. We'll coordinate it with the other agent if that house is listed with a different company. If it's listed with Homey, we'll coordinate it with our team here and then that showing agent will show up in person and take you through that house. And if you like the house, wonderful. We can help you make an offer and buy that house and give you up to $5,000 back in a refund. If you don't like it and you want to keep looking, it's no pressure. Our agents are really low pressure because they're not relying on a $10,000 commission check. 
uh, every time they're showing a house. So some of our buyers are looking to buy right away. They're moving from out of state. Um, some buyers are just casually looking, and that's okay with us. You what know, would you do, Joe, if Jake called you and said, uh, Joe, I want you to help me? Well, it depends what house he's looking at. Jake, can you afford the house? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I know Gordon for, can afford it, now. right? Oh, 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 oh. Wait a minute. Right, How right, did right. this turn on me? No, no, no. Um, so when, if Jake called up today, um, we would say, perfect, where do you live? And then we would have a local agent that's probably in the city that you live in that understands those neighborhoods. And we would assign that person as your showing agent. They, you'd probably text her, they'd text or call you and uh, find out what you're looking for. If you've already found the house that you want to see, then you can request the tour right on the Homey app or on homey.com. And uh, that showing agent would coordinate a time and they would sh- show up and, and take you through the entire house. Seems like a relationship like that can grow quickly when people are saving you a boatload of money i mean you know i it all comes back to cash no well i mean yeah, my dad, you know all, what i mean it all comes back there relationships are developed upon you know how much you benefit from well it. That's, that's in this case i think it's apt well it's one of the services to be provided it's one of the benefits to be provided if somebody's going to save me a bunch of money i'm going to look at them like okay i can trust this person that's right there's perfect alignment between our real estate agents and our clients because there's not that huge commission that they're relying on most agents um, in the United States, do a handful of deals per year. Our agents do a lot of deals because we've developed some efficiencies. And remember, our showing agents, that's all they do is they just show you the home. And then you'll actually, once you've made an offer on a house, you'll be assigned a buyer agent. Our most skilled and experienced agents, they help negotiate the offer with the other agent or with the seller. Um, and they'll basically walk you through the rest of that process. So mm-hmm. it's not just the showing agent, right? You have a, a buyer agent, then kind of a whole team of experts, including attorneys that have your back. So so that's, a, that's what's a little different about the approach with Homey. And, of course, you guys do it all. Uh, we talked about a little bit about buying, but if you're selling a home, you can save money. Uh, title, you've got the brand-new Homey title company and Homey loans as well. So you can take care of the whole process. That's right. Let us help you out. All right, Homey.com. Check it out. Thanks, Joe. All right, Bowlers coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time to talk a little basketball with Oliver Maroney. I think for Utah, the sky is the limit for this team this year. I do think that they are a championship favorite, in my opinion. You add a guy like Mike Conley to the mix, I think that they are going to be much improved in the backcourt. And then you throw Gobert into the mix. I really think that Gobert has a higher ceiling than last season or potentially otherwise because of this move. I think Conley is going to make this team overall operate better, and I think you're going to see that specifically with Donovan Mitchell and with Rudy Gobert. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. May I have your attention please? You're locked on to The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Homey. Check them out, homey.com today. We want to remind you to join DJ and PK tomorrow from 6 to 10 as our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED. No pills, no surgery, 
nor needles. Uh, we're going to talk to Bowler coming up momentarily, talk to him about uh, what's going on, the latest with the Jazz uh, and the NBA as well. As it's You know, it's been uh, a crazy summer in the NBA, Gordon, because this week just feels so empty almost from all these just blockbuster moves that just dominate the headlines. I have, I have really not seen an NBA offseason quite like this one. Ever. Well, yeah, and uh, obviously the Jazz have been caught up in it as well. So it's, yeah, uh, that's the way we feel. And uh, I think people are pretty excited, not just in this market, but uh, in a whole bunch of markets. And that's good for the league. Joining us now, television voice of the Utah Jazz, making his Tuesday appearance on the show, our good friend Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Jake, Gordon, how are you guys? How are we, Jake? I'm feeling terrific. It's been a good day. Is it hot enough for you? I'm driving in my car, 95. How about that, 95? I'm all right. I can handle that. A little warm for weatherman for for just a minute, you know, (laughs) that you get traffic for you later. I don't want to sound creepy here, but what are you wearing? (laughs) Huh. (laughs) Uh, Well, I just drove down off the hill and did a little work today, so I've got uh, beat-up camo shorts and a a T-shirt that's missing one arm. So... So you're dressed for the, the for the heat. Uh, that's good. So yeah, that's I, key. I'm definitely dressed. I'm dressed for the heat. Absolutely. All right. That is. I've, I've you... gone through uh, two bottles of orange uh, vitamin water. How about that for oh, a plug? All right. Good. There you go. You, know, you got to keep keep those vitamins. You know, and, uh, and hydrate. 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 When's the yeah. last time hydrate. you arrested a man? What are you wearing? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised has, so. you did actually. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but it's, it's, it's in order to function properly in the heat like this you got to be properly dressed i mean if bowler were wearing a suit with some you know like he does when he's calling games or whatnot he'd be you'd be like a wet rag right now yeah i'm a sweater i know that's probably not a sweater per se but a sweater uh and that's probably too much information uh but i have gone through shirts doing nfl and college football games in the south which were embarrassing. I mean, abs- never wear blue, by the way, uh, when you really have a hot day ahead of you and you're supposed to be on broadcast television. It doesn't look good. You can't really hide much of that when your collar has uh, got a ring around it. I've learned that lesson before at a, at a wedding. That was... Oh yeah, uh, let's say it was it was spot, hot yeah. and humid, yeah. and I was wearing blue, and it it didn't oh, turn out well for me. No, no it didn't turn out well uh, for me at all. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> I thought I'm never doing this again. What a, blue was a bad you. idea. Somebody we walk up to you and hand you a towel. It looked good when you walked out, right? But then when you got outside, forget it. Yeah. Oh man, and I I. I took a turn to dance with the bride, and she she looked at me, and, <laughs> and she you, was you like, had the big, uh, yeah, boy, you've you've really been sweating, huh? It's like, oh, well, yeah, come here, sorry. Baby. <laughs> hey, Jake, did did she ask for a towel? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, yeah, it was yeah. it was not pretty. I had a can of antiperspirant, <laughs> really. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, Bowler, let's talk about this offseason. Have you ever seen anything quite like this offseason? It seems like, I was just telling Gordon, it seems like there's been a huge breaking story every day since uh, really the draft. And uh, this week it slowed down a little bit, but it's just been wild, man. No, never, never. Uh, I've covered the NBA a long time and going on my 15th season with uh, the Utah Jazz. And no, I've never seen movement uh, with such high-profile names who made jumps into thinking MVP 
uh, would actually leave uh, the team he just led to, uh, to an NBA championship, would go from east to west. Um, you know, LeBron's still doing his thing, trying to put the right pieces together, or I guess the Lakers, but really I say LeBron, uh, because that's what he does. I mean, he puts he, you know, his, his say and who, put, who's got, who they're going to put around him to try to win another championship. And then, of course, the Jazz, uh, very aggressive. Um, you know, and Mike Conley, uh, the height of his career right now, and, and a, you know, two years left on his contract. Uh, the Jazz made a huge financial commitment uh, to help Donovan as well to uh, make another step in his his uh, adventure to uh, All Star status. Uh, I, it's unreal. And then you got just a, what last week, you know, the bombshell that broke, and and uh, you know, Oklahoma City. Uh, self implodes to get basically Westbrook off, and they bring CP3 in, and I'm not sure how that relationship will will fare uh, with Harden and Westbrook, that are both ball dominant players. Uh, it's just intriguing. I can't wait to to get the season going. I never wish time away or the summer, but this is such an intriguing time. I think you guys will agree. Each night in the West, especially now, look, there's you know there's some good teams in the East still. But nothing like the Western Conference on a nightly basis. It's, it's going to be home court, I think, plays a big role here. And the other thing we've talked about before, too, the rosters on paper are so impressive. But how do you stay healthy? And who does stay healthiest uh, throughout this grueling 82-game schedule? And I think, again, at the end of the season, depth and those who have put more players and who have played more minutes – Basically, you'll be at the top of the top of the ladder by uh, by the time June or really April April rolls around and, and into June. So, Bowler, speaking of depth, uh, what is your reaction to these latest signings by the Jazz? Uh, you know, one one of the second round picks, the the forward out of uh, France, Oni, uh, right, and, and the guy out of France. What's his name? Uh, Howard. Howard? Mm-hmm. And then you know, uh, uh, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are do these mean anything? That's what jazz fans want to know. Can these guys contribute, or is this insurance policy, or what? I think it's developmental players that may have two way contracts. Uh, remember, Naz Mitru Long owned one of those last year, and now he's with the Cavaliers. Uh, the Jazz pride themselves in the development, and some of these players obviously will bounce around. Uh, with the Utah Stars as well, but also act as insurance policies. I think they see uh, opportunity and development and also some skill set they think that, that could help the Jazz out. Uh, Mieoni, uh is a big guy, 6'8". Uh, I thought he was okay. I think the Jazz are intrigued by that size and potential outside play from Yale. And so it's. Um, uh, I thought maybe they go Brantley personally, just because of the body size, too, and it looked like he was more kind of an enforcer. But I think you see a guy that has maybe an offensive skill set that intrigues them, and uh, that's what the Jazz, and that's really what the NBA is all about right now. Can you score? Can you be effective? And also, can you fit the Quinn Snyder system and get on the, get on the floor and jump and play D? And uh, obviously, I think the way that they've gone about it uh, they must feel they can, but also at the right price because uh, the Jazz didn't have any cap room, uh, you know, after the Conley signing. So, you know, the, these minimum contracts come into play, 
and they're able to fill out a roster. But I think they pick guys that they really feel have an opportunity to develop and help this franchise, whether it's with the Jazz or the Stars or both. Craig Bowler, Jack, is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler, how important do you think it is that Donovan Mitchell is healthy this offseason, juxtaposed with last year where he was limited by that foot? Well, he said in himself best, Jake, look, uh, in his exit interview, it rings still in my ears, look, I've, I've got to be in shape and NBA-ready shape. He has to be able to take take the hits. It's a physical game. He's a physical player. He goes into the paint. He's at the rim. So he's going to get knocked down, uh, bruised up quite a bit. And you know what? You have to be uh, physically fit, not only with your wind, but just the strength that it takes. And he's a muscular guy. We all know that for 6'3 and change. And, you know, I, I think that he realizes that, you know, this season starts quickly. Uh, and especially – Gordo and, and what you guys just said about the Western Conference and, and the competition every night, there's no lag time. I, I'm anxious to see the schedule because it hasn't really treated the Jazz all that well the last two seasons when it comes to starts. Now, the finishes have been strong with home games, but you know this may be one of those years where a few extra home games in the early going will really help benefit a team to kind of get steam and a little confidence being built along the way. So that schedule will be important, I think, uh, this year. Uh, and also, does the national networks take a few games away from AT&T Sportsnet? Look, you know, I like to call games, but the thing is, you also understand as a broadcaster and as a fan, uh, this fan base, if you get national recognition, then you've obviously done something right uh, in the off season And the Conley... Uh, you know, uh, trade is intriguing to the NBA and to TNT, I'm sure. They have exclusivity. We can go side-by-side side with ESPN on our broadcast, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised that uh, with the way that the Jazz have built themselves, this roster in the West, along with the Clippers and Lakers, those will be the three dominant teams that the networks, I think, will be uh, very intrigued with. Mostly LeBron and Kawhi. I think we're going to get a heavy dose. But that schedule will be interesting to see how it treats the Jazz in the month of uh, late October, November, and December. Because remember last year, we had, the Jazz played 23 road games by the time Christmas hit. That's insane. And I, I just can't see that duplicating itself again this season. But um, uh, the, NBA could, the NBA could prove me wrong, right? <laughs> Hope not. Bowler, uh, on a day when the big show is uh, celebrating uh, Jerry Sloan, uh, I know you were close to him, and I wanted to ask you uh, your thoughts about Jerry as he uh, is presently and what he's meant to this community, to uh, the Utah Jazz, and to basketball as a whole. Well, first, I called you, and, and I meant what I said uh, about about your column uh, I thought it was um, brilliant, and I'm not blowing smoke. I thought it gave really some emotion of the moment and the history of who Jerry is and why he is. I think that's one thing that I learned when I first covered Jerry. I was there in 1988 when Frank handed over the reins to Jerry, and I was in that office, and we did an interview. And I, I could tell he was a tough guy, but very uh, he was shaken by being fired by the Bulls, and that's something that always kind of haunted him 
throughout his career was, is it, is it going to happen again? But, you know, here's a guy that did it, as you've mentioned, and I think fans know, through grit, uh, through heart, as he always said. He wasn't an analytical stat, stat guy. He would tell you, look, I can tell if a guy can play this game or not, all because of heart. And, you know, that's, that's a rare breed in the league today. But Jerry, to me, was um, uh, I was a good friend. I still am. I visited with Jerry of just recently, and I'm proud that he allowed me those, those minutes, along with our producer, Trav Anderson. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tough because you wrote today, you know, Father Time catches all of us, and this one is just happens to be not the way that anyone would ever expect Jerry uh, to suffer uh, with this particular situation. So, um, you know, it, it gets emotional for me a little bit just because I've known him for such a long time and we've shared some great stories, a couple of cold bud lights. Yes, I will say that, that Jerry, Jerry was well known for. But, Gordon, you made a great point in your column today is that people know him as the tough guy. But in reality, there is a great soft, softness to Jerry uh, that a lot of people don't get a chance to see and uh, that's the part that's kind of really intrigues me the most uh, because of his upbringing you know the youngest of 10 loses your father at a young age and really had to just you know scrap for everything he got but that's the way he lived his life that's the way he played the game and I, I just have a lot of respect uh, for Jerry and where he where he came from and the way that he uh, he's a Hall of Famer, guys. I mean, yeah, he had Stockton Malone, but he also had the 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 confidence of the Miller family. But he also delivered every night. Uh, he was a tough guy, but also he had a great relationship with most of his players. And I'm glad D. Will finally stepped to the plate and said, "I need to talk to Jerry." And I really do hope that that relationship found a way to mend itself. Um, during these uh, tough times, Gordo. I, I, and again, I praise you for a, a really well-written and a very in-depth and touching column today. Thanks, Bowler. I appreciate that. Uh, I know you're not a BSer, so that means a lot. Uh, one, one thing that I wanted to say about Jerry that I haven't said uh, so far today is he was one of those rare coaches where he had to say almost nothing. He set the example. He set an example for his players, and they knew exactly where he was. So I, I don't know how necessary these rah-rah speeches were with Jerry, because he knew that the players knew that he knew that they knew that he knew what they needed to do. And and you <laughs> no, know what I mean? I not, mean they just they just yes. looked at they looked at him, and said, "All right, let's let's go to work." Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, I know people have heard this line. It's the beautiful line of Sloan, too, is that he was known, Gordon, and you use some of those lines in your column, but I remember two things he always told me. Uh, Bowler, let's get the lunch pail and go to work. That was like stepping off the bus, okay? Lunch pail meant a lot to him. Uh, the lunch pail meant going to work. And then when he was hungry, he was one of the rare coaches that would actually mingle in the press rooms around the NBA, and people loved it. I mean, here's a Hall of Fame coach coming in and, and interacting with, uh, you know, uh, television crew, writers, uh, beat writers, television uh, broadcasters. And he always said to me, uh, walking down the hall, I guess it's time to get some groceries. 
and groceries to him was just let's go fill up, let's go eat. And, you know, those are the, it was simple. And I think your point about Jerry, uh, the look, and I think he put the rules down at the very beginning, and you either got them or you didn't last long. Uh, and, you know, I remember Gordon Garacek, who uh, had a, a nice talent uh, in a, for a, several year, a couple of years with the Jazz. But, you know, once you kind of got sideways with Coach, I think he sent him home. And if he, if he didn't follow the rules uh, and you back-mouthed, then you had a problem. All he wanted you to do was respect him, respect the game, uh, wear the uniform right. I know it sounds sim- simple, simpleton or simplistic, but you know what? That's how much he loved and respected the game, Gordon and Jake. And I think the I think those players who ran into trouble with Jerry, uh, he felt like didn't have the respect that the game deserved. And he wanted you to bust it, their bust your tail every time you hit the floor. And guess who did it? Stock and Malone. Two. You could not have picked two better players uh, to play under Jerry Sloan because they both had the same persona, personality, and drive that Jerry Sloan did, and that's why they had such great success. Well said, Bowler. You are the best. Thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. You're a highlight of not only our Tuesday, but our week as well. You guys are great. appreciate it. Uh, Gordo, I want you home getting the lawn done tonight. And Jake, All right. um, make sure he gets it done. <laughs> I'll supervise. Thanks, I'll, I'll make sure I heat. dress appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to dress appropriate. Um, you know, tank top would look good on you. Tank top would look good on you, Gordo. <laughs> All right, Bowler, muscle shirt. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Bowler. I don't know if I agree with his assessment there, Gordon. I don't know if a tank top is a real good look for you. You don't think so? No. Oh, okay. no. I, now, in fairness, I don't think it's a real great look for me either. <laughs> uh, real quick, there is some breaking jazz news uh, that just came across. Uh, the Jazz announced today that they've signed forward Jarrell Brantley and guard Justin Wright-Foreman. Uh, those two other second-round picks scored into two-way contracts. So that makes a lot of sense. So they've done a lot of signings lately. So those uh, guys will go back and forth between the Jazz and the Stars. And, and speaking to uh, Bowler's point about development, uh, there's a couple cases. All right, we'll have the Not Sports Port coming up next, live from Homie. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. There's a lot of conversation about Zach Wilson, a lot of conversation about Jordan Love. I think there should be a lot of excitement about those QBs. I think Tyler Huntley, every bit as much as the other QBs, is quite possibly going to have a really great year. Tyler Huntley last year had a four-game stretch where I was really impressed with him. 73% completion, the types of throws he was making was a little different than what we had seen before. With Andy Ludwig, I think that they can find the consistency. I think Andy can get the most out of him, and I think we have seen that this guy has a gear and a level that he can hit where it's optimal. And not only does his team win, they're exceptional. I don't think it's a stretch to think Huntley could have a great year. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now you're not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, join Scotty and Hans on Thursday from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. 
It is time now for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. We are live at Homey today, but Gordon, for the Not Sports Report, where are we going? Uh, we are, well, we're staying right here in uh, North America and Central America. I'm going to introduce a term to our listeners they've never heard before. Okay. okay. No, it's not what you're thinking, Adrian. It's, uh, it's all right. A podcast name? No, it's not. It's not that. The term is bird violence. Bird violence. Yes. Does that mean what it sounds like? It does. Apparently, there are 250 million birds who live in North and Central America, and there has been a marked increase in bird attacks on humans. And this, we're not just talking about the, the bomb from a seagull. We're talking about no, like... Uh, we're talking about actually you know, scratching your eyes and doing stuff like that. What is provoking this bird violence? Well, it's funny you should ask. But apparently, some are tracing it to humans' intrusion on bird habitats. So this is payback. It is. They're, the birds are angry. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're flipping... They're flipping the bird at, a, at humans. <laughs> Gordon, come on! But, but but it is a concern. Apparently, uh, let me well let me get a quote from the expert. Uh, apparently, crows in particular are dangerous. But uh, uh, a quote here from somebody says, "Just about everybody has an example of a crow attack." And I've never been attacked. Wait, by just a crow. about everybody? Well, I mean, every, I don't think I know anybody. Who's everybody been attacked who by a goes crow. to the website called Crow Tracks has been attacked by crows. Oh, many of them have been. And so these bird on human attacks are are uh, getting more and more common as we encroach on their habitats. And so I don't know whether there's a solution to this. It reminded me. Did you see the Hitchcock film Birds? Uh huh. That was a little frightening. I saw that when I was young. And, you know, those birds were angry. Angry birds. So I, I, I'm just thinking that this, is, this could become a greater and greater problem. So what are we going to do about this? I love how proud you are of yourself when you throw in a dumb joke. <laughs> it really is. I wish people could see your face when you draw. The birds are angry for the second time this segment as if we didn't get the joke. The I, was dri- I was driving a car once and I was going down the highway and, uh, uh, and I uh, hit a bird. A bird flew into me, actually. And, and uh, so that, maybe that was a bird attack. However, the bird ended up on the short end of that deal. But uh, when I was a kid. I have a nice car. A friend of mine uh, handed me a BB gun and told me to shoot a bird, and, I, and, and so I did. And it was traumatic for me. I didn't like killing a bird. And it's, you know what this bird was? This bird was a robin. Pretty that, harmless. That might be illegal. Unless you cut down their habitat, then they're coming after you, Gordon. What's the statute of limitation on uh, bird murder? I think you're probably okay. <laughs> I don't know, but apparently they're coming after us. Okay. So all y'all better take cover. You know, there's a lot of bird watchers out there. There's a lot of people who like birds, you know, and, and to say, oh, isn't that cute? Look at those finches or whatever. Or parakeets. Or Watch anything. yourself. <laughs> but apparently the birds are coming for you. So just a little warning there. So it says everybody has been attacked by a crow. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Every, everybody who visited the, the or has reacted to uh, this website, 
uh, are telling their crow attack stories. Emily joins us now from Homie. Um, have you ever been attacked by a crow? Is that a, is that a thing for any, you any or kind, anybody any you kind know? Of bird? Thank goodness that's not a thing for me. Yeah, never been attacked by a bird or a crow. Um, but I have seen the movies where they get attacked. So did you see the movie Birds? I did. It was very scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I can so, see. So, I mean, remember the guy who started smoking at the gas station, <laughs> and the whole thing blew. <laughs> Am I remembering that right? <laughs> Didn't that happen? I don't, I don't remember. Time. It has no. been yeah. a long time. Here we might want to watch out for seagulls attacking. And they're big. They so, are big. I mean, that might be a real thing. It, we should start a website. Right. Seagullattack.com. Do you remember, we'll what we can do you remember that there. joke where the guy was a guy who had been down on his luck? Uh, was uh, He killed a seagull. And so the, a police officer saw him. So he dragged him in before the judge. And the judge said, waved him to the front, said, before we get started here, why would you kill a seagull? And the guy said, well, I've been down on my luck. He said, and I, I'm a little short of cash. So he said, I eat them. And he said, you eat seagulls? What do they taste like? And he said, somewhere between a bald eagle and a spotted owl. Oh, my goodness. What a dumb joke. That's That's such a dumb joke. <laughs> You just love this so much. You see the look Emily gets on his face when he's he, when very he proud. Yeah, he's so proud. <laughs> it's so dumb. Oh man, aren't those both indeed your protected yes, birds? I, so. I just want to make that clear for those of you a little slow on the uptake. Yeah, okay, there, you know, who couldn't quite. Let's go ahead and take wing with that joke. Let's go ahead and oh, okay, oh, wow. and transition away from wow. that to we are here at Homie. And and hey, how about this? I know you guys are really proud because you're you're expanding like crazy and you're getting into to titles now with homie title and uh, homie loans you're doing it all yeah we've got real stuff to be proud about not not just silly jokes so <laughs> real sorry accomplishments. Real, i didn't real mean accomplishments. to i didn't oh, mean to good. encroach upon your no. time talking about <laughs> no, all the benefits fine. that homie brings to our <laughs> listeners yeah we're growing we do title services and loans and real estate and we're saving people money every step of the way which is amazing watch out for the beak they yeah. get you with the peak. Oh and those talons? There's no birds at home. Okay. At least not attacking right. birds no. or angry birds. Or... But I think it's important what, you, what you're talking about. If, if you go with homie the whole way, you're going to st- save money with each process. And yes. when that totals up, that's a chunk of change. It's thousands of dollars. You could probably buy bird security. <laughs> Make sure that... What would that look like? We've got Nets? your back covered and we'll help you protect you from birds. <laughs> Spikes. I'm not sure what bird That's security looks spikes? like. Spikes? What yeah. are we talking about? I don't even Where know. is this segment what are, the, what are the kinds of birds are there that could get you? I don't know. This is your story, Falcons. Gordon. Okay. Swoop in and get you. Falcon. That's a big bird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Continue. So, I didn't mean to interrupt. So the good folks could go to omi.com, whether they're buying or selling or want to do it through the whole process. And what I love about what you guys have done is you've got people that are assigned to you that are handling your case every step of the way. Yep. We have experienced realtors who will help you every step of the way, but you still save a ton of money. Well, it's because you guys can do all the volume. You can mm-hmm. do so many homes and so many clients and uh, those, you know, it's not one realtor doing the job of like nine different people. Mm-hmm. You have people every step of the way. Yep. We have teams that help every step of the way. We streamline a lot of the busy work that normally would take up a lot of time and use technology and we pass the savings along to our buyers and sellers. 
Well, Emily, thank you for jumping on, no. even thank under you. bizarre uh, no, circumstances. I just want to say, Emily's not just parodying lines oh. here. She, she, she means what she's saying. I love it. This is, this is great. I that makes one of us. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really good. <laughs> I, I truly apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. More of The Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.